Our scripture reading this morning comes from the prophet Jeremiah. I read the 18th chapter, verses 1 through 11. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Come, go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. The vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hands, and he reworked it into another vessel, as seemed good to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Can I not do with you, O house of Israel, just as this potter has done, says the Lord? Just like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. At one moment I may declare concerning a kingdom or nation that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it. But if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will change my mind about the disaster that I intend to bring on it. And at another moment, I may declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build and plant it. But if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will change my mind about the good that I had intended to do to it. Now, therefore, say to the people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, thus says the Lord, look, I am a potter shaping evil against you and devising a plan against you. Turn now, all of you from your evil way, and amend your ways of doing, your ways and your doings. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Holy God, send your spirit upon us that as your scripture has been read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what it is you have to say to us this day. Amen. So today I'm doing something that I rarely do. I'm preaching a standalone sermon. That means it's not a part of a sermon series. Some of you know that most of July and August was the summer of love. And I loved that sermon series. I really, really did. But I just could not stretch it one more week. But I prefer to create sermon series. You know this if you've been around here for a while. I take a story or a theme or a concept as a connecting thread over four or six weeks. And I think this works for me because at heart, I feel like I'm a storyteller. And sermon, seri sermon series preaching kind of leads to a story arc with a beginning and the, an end and twists and turns and problems to solve along the way. So this standalone sermon had me just a little nervous just because I don't do this very often. And it made me think all week about the creative process the way in which something new is born. And by the way, uh, Matt and I, you think we had like coordinated or something, but we hadn't. So well done, God, connecting that. That was pretty cool. According to themasterclass.com, Graham Wallace, a social psychologist and co-founder of the London School of Economics, 
outlined the primary stages of the creative process. He did this in a book called The Art of Thought that he wrote in 1926. Here are the stages of the creative process, if you wanted to know. One, preparation. This is the brainstorming phase, the gathering materials, the kind of setting your vision and having, you know, a, a little seed of an idea. The incubation, just step two, is stepping back from the idea and letting the seed kind of sprout, do some work. Let it percolate. Step three is illumination. This is the aha moment, which is to come after the incubation period. Step four is evaluation, where you see if your solution, your aha moment, aligns with your original vision. And then there's the verification, step five, which is the actual hard work, the actual creation. And this creative process has been considered by people ever since 1926, so almost 100 years, in all processes of creativity, from art to business, um, in creative problem solving, or in product development. And in reading that, very specific process of creation. It reminded me of talking to my colleagues around the creation of a sermon. Over the years, I have learned that I typically do not tell my preacher friends the way that I create sermons because they usually look at me like I'm crazy and tell me I'm wrong. Now, I'm not saying that I'm a better preacher than they are in any way. They are probably leagues beyond me, but I just know what my process is. Now, they usually have very clear processes for the sermon writing, like Monday is rest day, Tuesday is research day, Wednesday, sermon writing, Thursday, revision, Friday, memorizing, Saturday, rehearsing, Sunday, there you go, or something like that. I don't like to tell them that I kind of haphazardly research throughout the week, and I kind of try to stuff little things in my head so that the elves will be working all through, you know, the week kind of in the background. I, I, I think about my sermon all week, don't get me wrong, but I never actually write anything down. I don't even consider it writing a sermon until Sunday morning. Don't tell anybody that. Don't tell anybody I told you that. It's not that I'm not preparing. I just prepare in a different way. Because to me, the creative process is messy and beautiful and exhilarating and not something that you can rush. That's probably why I usually like sermon series, because there are several weeks for something new to unfold, and it doesn't have to be crammed into the solitary effort. So I started reading some articles on different visual artists' process of creating art. And they're all unique and abstract and dependent on the medium of art 
I just start painting, says one artist. I go back and look at my book of sketches, says another. I rely on intuition, says even another. And I think our scripture today gives us a glimpse into God's creative process. One commentary that I read said that in the Old Testament, we often only see God as judge or arbitrator. And in this story, we get to consider God as artisan, shaping, reworking, reclaiming, creating. Now, at first, reading the scripture can seem a little harsh. God is talking about evil. God is talking about destroying and plucking up and destroying again and more evil and doing work, creating, shaping. But there's something important to understand, I think, about the story of the potter and the clay. Anathea Portier Young writes, clay that has not been fired is plastic. It may be shaped and reshaped infinitely. It is a material of possibility, moldable, flexible, responsive. Though God has shaped humankind and breathed life into its nostrils, God did not defire the clay from which she made us. No one of us is only a tile, a pitcher, or a lamp. God is able to shape us and reshape us. And God labors tirelessly at the wheel on our behalf. And then from Eric Smith, Potters never waste clay. Old, failed pots may get recycled into new ones, but potters would never just toss the clay. There is a thrifty economy at work in pottery. And that's what seems to be happening in Jeremiah with regard to God and the world. At issue in Jeremiah is not abandonment of God, but God's reworking of the people. So Friday evening, um, our little family went paddle boarding at Sloan's Lake. So a couple things to know. Sloan's, it's beautiful. We did it at sunset. The sunset was beautiful. Um, the water, a bit murky. And I really didn't want to fall in it. And it's the second time we've done paddleboarding at Sloan's Lake. And I just have found my happy place is sitting on the paddleboard. It's lovely. Emery, the first time we went, totally wore himself out trying to get back on the board after falling so many times. So we were happy sitters, Emery and me. But Jim and Jacob believe in themselves. And so they were standing and sitting and standing and sitting. Jim fell twice, by the way, gross, um, but they were pretty successful, and there's this really cool picture that the lady that kind of runs everything took of him, like paddleboarding into the sunset, just really, really cool. But Jim, when he was standing, wasn't just standing. 
the whole time he was up, he'd be doing this, like shaking on purpose. And I was like, Jim, you're going to fall. Quit doing that. He's like, I just, I just got to get my sea legs. So like uh, the whole time he's like testing like the limits of where he can go. One of the funniest parts was when he did like this huge, I don't know, paddle stroke, I guess. And it was so big that he flipped himself off. That was really funny. But anyway, just like there, just trying to make himself into a paddle boarder. I watched his own creative process to figure out the balance and the speed and the stance that he needed to transform himself from a person who is paddleboarding into a paddle boarder, right? Now, some of you have heard Jimbo's story when he preached for me several years ago, and maybe we'll have him share it again. Um, before too long. But there's a thread that runs through his life. And it's a thread of reimagining, recreating. Because once he was addicted to drugs and alcohol. And now he's 30 plus years sober. Once he was the child of an abusive father and took his own rage out on anyone that would dare cross him. And now he is a loving husband and devoted father. Once he was racist and homophobic and full of judgment and hate and fear. And now... He is a passionate ally and seeks out connections with people on the margins just to show God's love. It was his mother that told him during a very low time in life that he was worth reworking. It was God that did not discard the scraps of Jim's life, but reworked them, reshaped them, and continues to, to create something beautiful. Because God doesn't give up on us ever. God does not abandon us to our bad habits or our poor choices or our toxic surroundings. In fact, God goes looking for us in the scrap pile, ready to reshape us and leave us pliable so that endless reshapings can unfold again and again every day. God's creative process is messy haphazard, beautiful, and exhilarating. And that is the arc of the story of the good news for you and for me. I pray these have been the words of the Lord for us this day. Amen.